Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning into this podcast, and thank you so much for your prayers for our ministry. We appreciate you guys. want to remind you, we've got a brand new coffee mug available at redpillprints.com. They've got a Stand Up For The Truth page. If you miss any of that, just go to our website, and right up at the top, there's one word. It says merch. Click on merch. They now have 24 items of Stand Up For The Truth gear from hoodies to T-shirts to coffee mugs to water bottles, and the brand new one is really sharp looking. It's a black coffee mug with the cross on there and a flame, and it says Stand Up For The Truth and John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's uh, at Merch, and you can get that coffee mug. We've also put a picture of it in today's blog. Can't wait to get to our guest today. You guys are in for a blessing, an unexpected treat. But first, got to tell you about the Perilous Times Great Lakes Prophecy Conference in Appleton, Wisconsin, September 9, 10, and 11. I am blessed to be able to be speaking there on Saturday the 10th. Um, who else is going to be there? Curtis Bowers. Chris Quintana, Jeff Sowell, Dr. Andy Woods, and several others. You can get all that info online. That's uh, ccappleton.org, the um, Prophecy Conference, coming up in less than two weeks now. And here are some of the headlines. A trans prisoner convicted of manslaughter impregnated two inmates. And then here's another headline. At least 13 U.S. hospitals perform gender transition surgeries on minors. Another headline. The United Kingdom. There's a a gender clinic in the U.K. being sued by 1,000 families for medical negligence. So that's interesting. And then one more headline. Radical gender theory comes to the heartland. That's from Christopher Rufo over at cityjournal.org. But right now, I want to bring in our guests, two guests, former transgender Laura Perry. She's been on the podcast many times. She's an author, speaker, and new creation in Christ. Praise God, she's now happily married and goes by Laura Perry Smaltz. And that's the first time I've said that on the air since she's been on. We'll talk to her husband as well, who is with her for this first segment of the podcast. Now, Laura has been educating and warning people about believing the same lies and propaganda about gender that she once did, because we know the deception is rampant, and our culture is going down the road of moral relativism on steroids. Well, Laura once created a God in her own image, but now she's a born-again believer. With First Stone Ministries, we've had Stephen Black on, Stephen Black, and um, Laura's got a book out we've talked about several times. It's called Transgender to Transformed. And that's the story of her transition as she went through all the name change and lifestyle and the surgeries. And even she was known as Jake for nearly nine years before being radically set free by Jesus. But we're so thankful to have Laura and Perry Smaltz with us today. God bless you guys. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you. All right, Laura. So we've got we've got a story to unpack here <laughs> that, that we are really excited about. If you guys go to uh, Laura's Facebook page, you can see the, the wedding photos and just the big smiles. We can see the, the light of Christ shine through both of you. So before we get into some of the what's going on in our culture and what you need to continue to speak about and warn about, um, just share a little bit about how you two came together. And Laura, I'll start with you since you've been on the podcast before, and then we'll turn it over to Perry. Okay. Yeah, we had, um, you know, it was interesting. We, for several years, I think I had really desired a husband, um, which was amazing as, as God was really healing me. But um, God had to take me through a season of really laying that down and surrendering that and being, for the first time in my life, really being secure and being single. And so, um, I, and the Lord 
um, really convicted me with this passage one day about, you know, let it, thy maker will be thy husband. And so the Lord wanted me to be, uh, wanted me to let him be my husband first. And so I got to this point where I was like, you know, I don't need anybody. I'm totally fine being single. This is great. I don't think I'm going to get married. <laughs> and then when I quit looking, um, a friend of mine, she said it kept, uh, it kept coming to her mind that she ought to introduce us. She said we talked about the same things and we just seemed like we'd be a good fit. And so she ended up introducing us. And the day that we got introduced was just hilarious. We were helping her move, and it was pouring rain. So we were wet and muddy and stinky, and it was just like the worst day ever. But but that's the day we met, and it ended up being uh, really good. What, what What's funny is you said, when I stopped looking, in, in other words, right. You, right. you were striving to find your contentment in Christ and, right. Uh, right? and, and pursuing your relationship right. with him. I've heard that many, many times from godly mm-hmm. people that were single yeah. and, and, and they stopped putting all the anxious focus on finding the right person and focused mm-hmm. on their relationship with Christ and being the right person. So Perry, I want to hear your mm-hmm. side of things now. Uh, what did you, did you go to the same church? What did you know about Laura before you met? And just take <laughs> it from there. Neither one of us had dated for about six years even though I was in a, a, about two or three singles groups, none of us really clicked. I've got a lot of good friends in those groups. But then I met Laura, and something started clicking. And during that time, um, I had asked the Lord to find somebody for me that would be on the same team with me, somebody that would not pull apart from my, me, but somebody that would have my back and I would have her back. And that's exactly what I've found in Laura. Hmm. Now, um, of course, we were introduced by a common friend, and we did have a very long day, and and that very first conversation was very good. Um, But we started seeing each other, and we decided very soon that the Lord had put us together. Hmm. It's just amazing. We just knew. Uh, very early in the uh, relationship, that that's what the Lord wanted to do. And so she's been a a wonderful gift to me mm. and um, a blessing from God. Well, it's... Yeah. Per- oh, go ahead, Laura. Oh, I think what was amazing, too, about... The, well, what amazed me, anyway, is that um, when this friend introduced us um, and she told him that I was kind of interested or asked if he was single... I didn't know she was going to tell him that, but um, he had already looked me up and had listened to my testimony, and he already knew that I was a former transgender, and he was still interested in me. And that just amazed me, and he said it was um, my love for the Lord that really attracted him. Well, hold on right there. I I need you to clarify something. So, um, Perry, you knew about... Laura's background as a former transgender before yes, you met her when when you were helping a friend move. Yes, I knew about her background. Wow! So what? And I wasn't really looking for a, a romantic relationship at that time, but um, I thought it was a very interesting story hmm. about how the Lord had changed her life. And then I got to uh, be around her and her wonderful, wonderful personality. And her love for the Lord and her desire to build God's kingdom, hmm. uh, it really attracted me to her. The joy of the Lord is a very attractive thing. <laughs> and I'm I'm a, a worship leader at my church. I'm bivocational. Hmm. So uh, we really attracted each other, I hmm. believe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So, uh, Laura, when, so take it from you guys, um, started as, you know, you got together as friends, but then it doesn't sound like it took very long for you guys to uh, obviously pray about it and then say, you know what? And start dating. Now, what was that process like? Yeah, over the summer, we had gotten together as friends with, um, he actually invited me over to his house with a couple of my friends, um, to make a, a meal for me. And uh, we did that two or three times over the summer, and then we went on a kayaking trip um, with the singles group, and we just really hit it off that day. I mean, it was just, like, I hadn't had that much fun in so long and just really clicked with somebody. Hmm. And I, I came back, and I told my mentor, I said, this guy's, like, swept me off my feet. I don't know, like, we're not even dating, but I just was, like, kind of smitten. 
and uh, we ended up, I think we went on a date about a week later, and it was just a few weeks after that, maybe six weeks or so, it wasn't long, when we both, were, all of a sudden we were dating exclusively, and we'd really never even had that conversation, but we just knew the Lord had put us together. Mm-hmm. It's obvious, and, and Perry, I know a lot of, maybe there are some uh, young single men in our audience thinking, man, we, can you give me the formula of how to sweep a woman off her feet? <laughs> but, but what I'm, what I'm hearing from both of you though, it seems to be your individual, uh, relationships with Christ and your pursuit of God mm. and His will for your life. Right. Can, can one of you speak to that? That's right. Yeah, I think that, uh, until you come to the point where you don't need to have another person in your life, that's, that's when you're, you're ready. That's when you're ready to find somebody is is when uh, the Lord is all that you need. Mm. And uh, that's the, what the Lord did for both of us. He revealed mm-hmm. the right person for it. And I, I can tell you, um, mm-hmm. I, even though I knew that she was had been trans in the past, I didn't date a trans person. She had been changed and transformed. Mm when she asked Christ into her life. Amen. And um, she's not the person that she once was. She's a new creation, like you said earlier. Amen. And so it's it's something that really is honoring to the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of. It's exciting to see how the Lord—nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, Nothing is yeah. impossible for him. Laura, I'm looking at your wedding photos from on your Facebook page, <laughs> and they're posted June 15. You guys are newlyweds. When's your actual wedding day? Uh, May 14. May 14. So May, June, July, August. You're just over three months married. So um, yeah. tell us a little bit more about what that day was like, Laura, for you, because I can imagine, I can, and I can only literally uh, just imagine this, as when you were going through your phase, uh, your transgender phase, you probably, the furthest thing from your mind was probably marriage. So on your wedding day, tell us just some of the things. I'm sure you had maybe an, an emotional roller coaster along with the joy of the Lord, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I had dated guys in high school, so it's not like I hadn't dated guys, but the guys that I had dated had hurt me so much, and I had been in a lot of sexual sin I was giving away everything they wanted and just being treated like trash. I'd been Mm. dumped and rejected over and over. I had been um, really taken advantage of sexually. I got in some very dangerous situations, so I had a lot of trust issues. Mm. When I was living as trans, I don't know that I was really attracted to females, but I wanted a girlfriend or a wife um, because I wanted to be a man. Mm. Um, So I I kind of pursued girls for that reason, but um, so... The attraction itself wasn't as difficult, but I had so many trust issues. And when we started dating, I remember thinking um, that I didn't i didn't really believe that he wanted to be with me. And I was so stunned every time that, you know, um, he wanted to get together. And I just kept thinking, why? Like, why isn't he running like all the other guys, you know? Or why isn't he just using me? Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, why is he willing to wait for marriage? These things w- just kept just kept coming up and I kept um I had to learn at one point I remember he was kind of hurt by by something I said because I wasn't trusting him and he said have I not proven to you that I that I desire you that I want to be with you that I love you mm-hmm. and I realized I had to stop looking at him through the lens of the men in my past and I wow. had to look at him as the man God had brought me and so on that day I still had this nervousness that he was not going to show up and he was going to call it off and dump me like all the other guys had. <laughs> oh and I goodness. still had to, I remember he, my friend had him come around the corner, not to where he could see me, but just to the, the outside of the, the bridal room. And he said, good morning. And I just burst into tears and I was like, oh my goodness, this is real. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was just beautiful. I couldn't believe God's goodness. Mm. And I've been amazed. One of the most, <clears throat> the things I've been the most amazed by is this incredible man God has brought me. He is so good to me. He's so affectionate and kind, and he treats me with such dignity and love. I, I've, I've never been so loved in my life, and it's been so worth waiting on God's choice for me and not trying to 
um, just find some man that was going to fill um, that void. Um, no one could, only Christ can, but in, but he's brought me this incredible partner. Mm. So, Perry, by the way, if you just turned tuned in late, friends, um, we're speaking with Laura Perry. Now her name is Laura Perry Smaltz, former transgender, now happily married. I mean, they're newlyweds. We've got them on the line, and just a lot of great information and just what they went through in the transition uh, really, the relationship transition, being strong Christians, and then how they met each other. So, Perry, how about you? Go back to the wedding day. Um, what was okay. going through your mind? I mean, I'm sure you, maybe you weren't as as nervous as Laura, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I think she was uh, more nervous than I was. Uh, that's my church where I lead the worship, and I, I love all the people there. I was comfortable, mm-hmm. but um, I was so excited for that day, that was something that I had looked for, forward to for a long time. And uh, so I actually, uh, I sang to her as uh, as she was coming down the aisle. Uh, and I just uh, sang from my heart. Oh, my goodness. I love her so much. Hmm. And it was just a beautiful ceremony. Everything went so well. Hmm. And uh, I'm, I don't ever want to get married again. It's too much. It's too much stress to to uh, prepare for a, a wedding. <laughs> the wedding planning. I thought it was going to kill me. Oh my god! He goodness. teased me about getting married every year, doing <laughs> the ceremony. It's no. just so hard. <laughs> wow. So it was um, a wonderful day. So, Laura, we we've just got Perry for three and a half more minutes. So we can get into some other things, First Stone Ministries and. Some a chart that you posted. I really want to go through this uh, reasons for detransition uh, when we go in our, into the next segment. But I want to just take the last couple minutes here and just share um, about Perry and your looking ahead to the future. And one thing I think a lot of people are wondering is, Laura, did you have surgeries that w- would would not enable you to have children? Yeah, I did, and that was hard. And I was surprised that Perry was willing um to um to date me i mean let alone marry me mm-hmm. knowing all of those things and i i not able to have children i didn't have breasts at the time i actually and he married me not knowing if i ever would mm-hmm. um i after the wedding i ended up getting breast implant surgery just on july 7th so um that god has restored that and i'm really thankful but i also just want to warn there's so many people out there that are, these kids are being told, well, if you decide you're not trans, you can just get these parts back. Right. I mean, this is not Mrs. Potato Ed. It doesn't work like oh, that. Oh, my goodness. And I'm grateful, but it's just, it's not the same. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I'm glad that we have that restored in a way, but it's it's not the original. I just want to plead with these girls to, to think about what they're doing. This is mm-hmm. a, such a permanent decision. And those who are complicit. We're going to talk next segment about children's yeah. hospitals. They're per- performing, mm. I, I mean, hysterectomies. They're performing these serious surgeries on minors. But let's go mm. back to you, Perry. We've got two minutes left. Sure. I would just love sure. to hear um, you knew that Laura could not have children. Just tell us about your thought process. And I'm sure maybe you guys either talked about adoption or not. But just for our listeners wondering how that's going to all work out. Well, I knew that she uh, had no breasts, and I knew that she would not be able to have children, but uh, I loved her in spite of all those things. Um, I was uh, I, I was so sure and at peace that this is what the Lord wanted me to do, and I'm wow. more sure every time I, I wake up next to her that I've made the right choice the Lord has put us in the right place in the right time. Amen. But um, I know that is uh, a a sad thing that she has struggled with, knowing that she is not able to have her own children. Hmm. And uh, a lot of, she'll tell you, a lot of women are, are required to do that because of the medical condition. This is harder for her mm-hmm. because it's something that she chose to do to her body. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that she's still dealing with. Mm-hmm. I yeah, yeah th- it's been really hard for me. I think I think it's been harder for me than it has for Perry. Um, 
And I didn't know until we got married that um, that, that desire was going to be so much greater. And wow. I've really been through a lot of grief in dealing with the fact that I can't have my own children and it's it's my fault. Hmm. And well, there are real consequences, even though God has redeemed and restored my life so far beyond anything I ever imagined. Yes. And yet there are still consequences to sin. Amen. Well, guys, we it's a love story. It's a match made in heaven. It just sounds just so wonderful that God just miraculously brought you guys together. And, and en- enjoy your honeymoon. I mean, you know, you, this first year, you know, this honeymoon phase. It's just such a blessing to have you on, Perry. We've got to say goodbye and take our first break. Sure. Laura, we've got more to come with you. But, Perry, God bless you, and let's stay in touch. Okay, mm-hmm. brother? God bless you, too. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, it's just such a great story where God gets all the glory, and that's why we are just so blessed to be able to share this victory in Christ. A lot more with Laura Perry Smaltz when we come back about some articles and then those children's hospitals that we were talking about. Uh, We're going to just tell you the truth next on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Laura Perry Smaltz is our guest today, former transgender, and there's going to be a point where we might not even to need to introduce her as such on this podcast because uh, happily married now. But Laura, um, let's take a few minutes and go back and talk about your attraction to men. And the, the, I mean, our culture is trying to emasculate males and, and feminize young boys and, and men, and it's really disturbing what they're having some success. It is a deception, and it does affect people. So share a little bit about that, uh, what you went through. Yeah, I think because in the way I was treated in high school and in college and all the sexual sin I was in, I'd been so hurt by men. And I see in a lot of these girls um, who either live as lesbians or um, as trans, a lot of times they're trying to harden themselves and protect themselves. And so being feminine is very vulnerable. And uh, when I first left the lifestyle, I was going to do that to obey Christ. And that was an extremely hard decision I've shared on other shows. I mean, I just thought I was going to die. Hmm. But once I began to be okay with this female identity, it, it took a long time for God to heal me and to want to be feminine again and um, learning to embrace womanhood. Um, and God had taken me through some... Um, through some different studies and some different things, and kind of as he peeled away the layers of the onion, I began to be more and more comfortable with being female. But um, I think when I started dating Perry, it really, like his masculinity, because I really, I honestly thought God would bring me um, somebody that had been in this kind of same lifestyle and has the same struggles. Mm. I was really stunned when God brought this really masculine man to me. And uh, even my... um, my boss, who's done biblical counseling for 30 years, met with him, and I really thought Stephen was going to tell me um, all kinds of red flags he'd seen. You just need to run, Laura. This guy's no good. <laughs> and I was so shocked by how much he liked him. And he told me that, you know, this is a really masculine man, and that it brought out my femininity. And I just really began to learn that compliment that God has made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it allowed me that freedom to kind of let my guard down, to be more vulnerable, and to really embrace being feminine. And I learned that, you know, women have this natural desire um, that's hardwired to want to be protected. And men have this natural desire to protect. And I think because we're wounded, sometimes that gets distorted. Um, Like you said, men have been emasculated and they've been taught that this is toxic. Um, But the reality is God created men with that kind of bravado and um, and that desire to protect, yes, and it's it's a good thing that we need to be teaching these young men, and we need to teach our our girls, um, you know, to trust good men. Now, not to maybe trust every man, but to um, when you find a good godly man and to let him protect you, it's a good thing. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing a little bit more about that. I'm sure there were some that that were probably wondering about that because that is a struggle for people that are not going down the path of any. LGBTQ plus, you know, lifestyle and just in normal circumstances because of what we are bombarded with in the media today and uh, feminism, the the radical feminist movement. Um, Laura, really quick, you've got there's a book available called The Prodigal Prayer Guide. And I believe was that you and your mom uh, that put this together? It's available by through American Family Association. 
Yeah, there were three of us. Um, the majority of it was really written by our friend Carolyn Morgan. Um, she has been leading the prodigal prayers at my mom's Bible study for several years. Um, and so she she wrote a lot of them, but my mom and I wrote a little bit as well. And it's a great resource. It really helps people um, pray through um, scriptures mm-hmm. for their prodigal. So they're, um, you know, maybe a page or two of working through some different scriptures. So are are there some of the prayers that your own mom prayed for you while you were in the transgender lifestyle? I, You know, I don't know if she had any of those written down. Um, I'm sure some of the same ideas. Mm-hmm. The the prodigal prayer ministry, and the she has like a prodigal prayer basket where they put names in it, and they pray over them. And that idea really um, came about after I came out of the lifestyle. I was sort of the inspiration for that because they had been praying for me for years, but they started this ministry called um, the Prodigal Prayer Basket. Okay, that's neat. That's really neat. Um, a lot of our friends that are parents that are listening right now, they have or know prodigals, and uh, it, sometimes it has nothing to do with the LGBTQ. It's just a, a, right. a, re, a rebellion against God and kids going their own way, trying to do their own thing and falling away from the faith that they grew up with, perhaps at, with their family and at their churches. So that's a great resource. We'll put that in the blog at standupforthetruth.com. Uh, so, Laura, yeah, thank you. you're welcome. Over to your page now. You have a very good uh, chart that talks about reasons for de-transition. We've heard a lot about transitioning. You know, so many They want young kids, young children to transition uh, be, you know, to the gender they were, quote, assigned or not assigned at birth with. It's just very confusing, the language. They've changed it to really come against God and the, right. tr- the truth of creation. But you've got this fascinating chart. Tell us a little bit about it, and then just let's walk through it a little bit. Yeah, this was, um, I found it on a, there's a Reddit forum that I'm a part of, and um, it, it is available to the public, but it's really supposed to only be for detransitioners and desisters. So um, they will kick people off if, if they find trolls or people that are um, misusing the site because they really want to protect. Okay. Most most of these kids that are coming out of these lifestyles are so broken. A lot of them have not come to Christ, mm-hmm. and there's so much depression. Some of them are very suicidal. So they're really trying to protect these people. So I don't want um, people to go on there and just start making a bunch of comments and without some wisdom. Right. But, uh, so this survey was on um, this uh, site, and they had done it just through their own forum. And when I joined it, like uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe there were seventeen thousand members. It's now over thirty-five thousand. Wow! So it's doubled in a very short time. Hmm. Um, and so I was fascinated by this chart because we're told that the reason that people are unhappy um, with their transition is because they're not affirmed or they're, um, you know, they don't have enough support. And actually, lack of support from their surroundings, it says physical surroundings, I don't know if they mean by family or their job or whatever, but it just says lack of support from physical surroundings and discrimination or transphobia. Those were the two least answers. Yes. And there's a whole host of other issues. And the number one thing was that they realized gender dysphoria was related to other issues. And that was by far the biggest reason. Yeah, 82%. Go ahead. No, 82%. Can you explain what that means in in relation to this chart and their reason for detransitioning? It says uh, 82% realized gender dysphoria was related to other issues. What does that mean? Well, I think it's not 82%. I think it's the number 82. Okay. uh, Because there were, um, I don't think they're percentages because that'd be over 100%. Um, but yeah, I think 82 of them out of however many, I forgot, it was like 200 and something they surveyed. Okay. Um, it was still a huge, it's by far the biggest category. Yes. And then, um, concerns regarding health was another one, which that's another thing that's not talked about. Um, unhappy with the physical changes was next. Um, transition did not help with gender dysphoria. And so it, it just made me so mad when I realized that, um, these kids are just being lied to, and you, I mean, I knew that already, but you, you see it here in black and white that these own, um, these people are saying that their gender dysphoria was related to other issues, and I've been, I've, when you read the forum, so many of them are saying they were not asked any questions about why they felt this way, they were not um, taken to any kind of psychiatric care. One of them actually said 
that um, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but they said that their um, childhood trauma was completely dismissed. And the doctor said, why deal with your issues? Just transition. What? Oh, my goodness. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something to that effect that it was basically like, why deal with your issues? Why deal with your issues? Oh, my goodness. See, there's a lot of these experts, right, counselors, um, even medical personnel that are literally complicit in this, um, doing damage to these children under the guise of being affirming because you they, they think that affirming is a positive thing and you must give these children or young people what they want to make them happy. But they are it's been proven, Laura, and maybe you can direct us to some uh, studies or articles somewhere that this is, the research shows just the opposite. It does not make them happy like this chart does right. on reasons for de- detransition. Right. I, I'm just now beginning to compile some resources, and I wish I had way more time than I do. I um, There's so <laughs> much that I'm trying to do in this ministry. Um, we do have a um, an article on our First Stone website, and I can't remember offhand where exactly it's located. So if you can't find it, um, our website is firststone.org, and that's not the number. It's spelled out F-I-R-S-T, stone.org. Um you can also, there's a contact button there. Please email me. I'll, I'll, I'll find it for you. But I have a packet of information that it's not professionally written. This is just like um, compilation of research. So I have lots of quotes and different things that I've copied and pasted with some references. Um, there's also some good books I'd recommend. Uh, Walt Heyer has several. Yes. One called Paper Genders. Um, there's one, Renee Jacks, who is still living as a woman. He transitioned many, many years ago, but he doesn't see the point in detransitioning after 40 years. He's not a Christian, um, but uh, he wrote a book called Don't Get on the Plane, warning people against this. And so there is a lot of information out there. It's just not well organized yet, um, mm-hmm. but okay. we're really trying. I, I think in um, Sex Change Regret, Walt Heyer's uh, website is a great resource, Sex changeregret.com. Great. Don't get on the plane. I think don't jump on the bandwagon would be another expression right. we could, because the, I mean, the yeah. transgender bandwagon, I've been saying this for about five years, Laura, it's become a locomotive. It's not just a yeah. bandwagon. This is something that is steamrolling through our culture, through the education yeah. system, through the media, through the Democrat Party and, and some others. Um, but let's talk about, to you and I and to most people listening we don't understand because you almost have to be, well, you do have to be deceived to follow this and believe th- your own truth. In other words, there is no God of truth, and you can be whatever gender you want. You, you were misassigned at birth. That's that's the idea. But to you and I and right. most of us now, it's, this is common sense, especially what they're doing to children. So I want to get your take on this first article about the transgender prisoner that was convicted of manslaughter. He impregnated two inmates. Right. So I'm going to share a little bit about this and just get your thoughts, because to you and I, it's, it's like, well, Rayan, no brainer. But he was he's yeah. 20, 27 years old. His name is Demi Minor, identifies as trans, engaged in self-harm after he was transferred to a men's prison because he was he impregnated two women because he was a he was a man. But he was identifying as a woman as trans. And he so he was in a woman's facility, got two of them pregnant and uh, it said he wrote this on August 18. I showed my medical records uh, showing that I have been on hormones for years and am awaiting gender affirming surgery. Even the words there, gender affirming surgery, right. which, which they are delaying. And uh, it says back in 2011, uh, this is in the story on him. He attempted to rob his former foster parents approximately nine months after he left their charge. Um, he his father confronted him and he stabbed his father to death who was 69 um oh, he and his wife fostered seven boys and who all went on to live ordinary healthy lives except for this young man minor m i n o r and he did plead guilty to first degree manslaughter was sentenced to 30 years in prison but in 2020 he began to identify as trans was removed from a men's prison and this is in new jersey and was transferred to a women's correctional facility. And last year, he this, this is just ridiculous. They began uh, accepting women, I'm sorry, male inmates who identify as transgender. And that's where he got two of the women pregnant. And so this situation, 
When they started announcing this, Laura Perry Smalt, when they started announcing this, that they were going to put men, biological males, you know, the, the society now in the media and everything calls them transgender, uh, in with other women, what could go wrong? Most of us are thinking this is going to be a problem, and now lawsuits are starting to happen. So your thoughts on how we got to this place? Well, I, the whole thing is insane. I mean, one, I, it's demonically driven. Yes. Um, but two, this this happens in, um, you know, Camille um, Paglia, I think is how I've heard it pronounced, or Paglia. Um, she was a, um, she's a lesbian. She was um, kind of an activist, but she is a, um, I think, an anthropologist, and she studies art history. And she has studied back in history how this happens in cultures. And you can, um, a lot of the... Um, uh, making men when when life is uh, easy and comfortable and there's a lot of luxury and men get soft and there's this rise of effeminacy. Um, but she said this always marks the end of a society mm-hmm. when you start seeing the rise of transgenderism and we're seeing this globally. Um, so there there's just a demonic driving behind this, but I think it's it's almost like this social contagion. Yes. Um, and I think all of us would agree on that. But the, the whole thing is so ridiculous. There, there are over, I didn't know this at the time, there are over 6,500 biological differences between men and women. And, um, the, like, all of our organs are male or female. Every part of the body is designed for the roles that God gave us. Yes. Now, people today are, are recognizing and ad- admitting that their bodies are biologically male or female, whichever they were born, and they're just, you know, but my mind is different or whatever. But I'm realizing as I've begun to really study the differences between male and female, and being married has really brought this out even more, realizing that we're two totally different creatures. We're designed so differently in the way that we think, in the way that we function, in the way that we relate. Um, and so no matter what he does to his body, he's still a man. And most of what, what really makes me angry is most of these, Women are there because they've, uh, I mean, now they've made bad choices and they've hurt people, but a lot of them have really been hurt by men. A lot of them have been abused. Yes. Uh, a lot of them have been um, mm. either by husbands or by uh, fathers. <clears throat> and so putting them in there with an, another man is just a horrible thing for them. Oh, Lord, help us. It, it, it's just, it, you said it, the first thing, it's demonic, but it's also insane. Uh, Laura, I wish we had more time with you. We're going to talk about these uh, other articles uh, after we let you go. Uh, the children's hospitals, now there are at least 13 U.S. children's hospitals performing uh, gender transition uh, surgeries on minors, and you can find that article at the WashingtonStand.com. But, Laura, I know you uh, got to find this delicate balance of enjoying your new marriage and being kind of in this honeymoon stage and also you know, taking some time off, but also your research is so important. So we'll pray for a good godly balance in your life. But thanks Thank for your you. time today, and we will stay in touch. God bless you. All right, thanks. God bless. All right, we, we come back. More of these stories on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, I want to mention this book that was, um, the, the foreword was written by Stephen Black. Stephen Black is who Laura Perry, now Laura Perry Smaltz, works with over at First Stone Ministries in Oklahoma. Uh, Stephen wrote the foreword to this book, highly recommended. It's called Dangerous Affirmation, and it's by M.D. Perkins, The Threat of, quote, Gay Christianity. Uh, since 1968, the LGBT movement has made significant inroads into the Christian church, not just in our culture, but it's in the church, this affirming movement of affirming whatever people, it's, some people call it queer theology, um, the emergence of gay celibate theology is another one that's spreading through even evangelical churches, so be, keep your eyes open for this delusion and this deception. Um, how did we get here? So the book includes a lot of citations, a recommended resource list, and it's an, uh, it's an analysis of the influence of the spread of, quote, gay Christianity. So again, it's called Dangerous Affirmation. One of our former uh, guests, uh, Pastor Jim Garlow, he was on about oh, three, four months ago here on the podcast. 
He said dangerous affirmation will clean out the muddled thinking and replace it with biblical and factual reality. And um, so I'll just put that out there for you guys to consider dangerous affirmation to learn more if you need to about this issue. So now we recognize that it is deception. As Laura Perry said, this is demonic at its core, friends, because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against powers and principalities and rulers, rulers, right? Uh, in the darkness, these rulers in the spirit realm. Because everything we, we look at through the biblical lens, we know there's this ongoing spiritual warfare and it is a clash of worldviews that is manifest in our culture today and in our, in our school system, in our corporations, um, in our government, of course. Um, what, what, just what Biden has done, uh, since he's got in, uh, some really damage, even in the military. Um, anyway, let's go to this article briefly. Merriam Webster changes the definition of female. That's right. Merriam Webster's. Um, the online dictionary has caved to the trans agenda in order to appease woke activists. The dictionary publisher has added a secondary definition of female that defines the term as, quote, having a gender identity that is the opposite of male. As you know, the key word, friends, is identity, gender identity. What do you identify as? Well, we know what Christians identify as. We identify as those who know, believe, trust in Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with our God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in us. That's who we identify with, Christ. Jesus, period. Um, I think of Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those of you, those of us, who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation and have repented of our sins. Uh, we have a great blessed hope to look forward to, friends, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we identify with him, and that is our life. Christ is our life. But other people are not so fortunate. They identify with all kinds of things that are either lies or, frankly, just dangerous and not, not good for them. So let's go to this other article um, on the U.K. Now, the good news about this next article is what happens in the U.K. doesn't always stay in the U.K. <laughs> um, it was announced last week that Tavistock Gender Clinic in the U.K. is being sued by 1,000 families for medical negligence. Now, this is over at the Washington Examiner. Remember, you can go to the WashingtonStand.com. I recommend the WashingtonExaminer.com, WashingtonTimes.com. We've even had one of the journalists, uh, Cheryl Chumley, um, from the Washington Times on this podcast. She was on a couple months ago. But avoid at all costs the Washington Post, okay? Don't do the Post. Not Washington, anyway. So the lawsuit alleges that the clinic misdiagnosed children and was reckless in prescribing puberty blockers in treating gender dysphoria. So a thousand families in this lawsuit against this gender-affirming clinic. Now, interestingly enough, that's in the UK. Sweden and Finland have also changed their course of action, and now they prioritize psychological interventions for gender dysphoric children. Of course, we know the answer. The, the, the main answer is this, since this is a spiritual problem and it is a rebellion against God as creator and how he created us male or female, we know it's a rebellion against God and creation. And anything down that road will go in the way of humanism, moral relativism, and others. So other countries are starting to do this now, at least treating the psychological condition, the mental health issue for uh, gender dysphoric children. What about, we reported on this over at Freedom Project Media, freedomproject.com a week or two ago, Boston Children's Hospital describes hysterectomies for minors. That's right. What is a hysterectomy? For those of you that aren't sure about this, it involves removing 
an individual's uterus, fallopian tubes, and cervix, which is the opening of the uterus. And um, think about this. A minor, a young girl, is, is she capable of making permanent decisions, life-altering decisions? I would imagine that most teenagers, heck, even people in their 20s sometimes, you know, they're still making decisions on life and, you, you know, you shouldn't make life-altering decisions in your 20s or 30s. But I would imagine that most teenagers, we're talking 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, that's, those are minors, that they lack the emotional maturity and the foresight to be considering these issues. But what is our society, what is our culture conditioned to do now? Affirm them. Approve of it. Affirm them. If that makes them happy. And I'll quote Laura Perry. That's insane. <laughs> Laura Perry Smaltz. So at least there's this lawsuit. We'll see how this pans out. But the article is called, Stop Telling Girls They Should Be Boys, over at the Washington Examiner. And a thousand families are in this lawsuit suing this trans, uh, this gender clinic in the UK for negligence. All right, next article. Um, boy, time flies on this podcast sometimes, most of the time. Now, this is over at Washington Stand. At least 13 U.S. hospitals perform dangerous gender transition, transition surgeries on minors. We t- already talked about the Boston Children's Hospital. That happened. They even put out videos with these young doctors who were women, but, I mean, they looked like they were like 25. They looked to you and I, some of you <laughs> that are more seasoned. They looked like children themselves. 25, 30, but they're doctors at these children's hospitals. Now, they've removed them now from the website. So this is just one example out of 13 at least. Boston Children's Hospital, they've now rushed to contain the fallout. Um, they revised its website. They removed this evidence, but we have copies of it. We've got the, the, the videos, and you can go to freedomproject.com, which, by the way, we kick off a brand-new show today, friends, brand-new show um, it's called Educated with uh, Katie Petrick and myself over at Freedom Project Media. We'll talk to you more about that eventually. But Facebook also piled on, and they permanently suspended an account for libs of TikTok without warning or explanation because they were putting this truthful information out there. Yes, um, Boston Children's Hospital has performed Gender transition surgeries on minors. This is true. This is fact. Um, the recent database, 204 gender transition surgeries were performed by the their Center for Gender Surgery at Boston Children's Hospital. That's not too far from Boston Harbor. No, seriously, though. They, so they, this is a fact. They performed these surgeries on minors. And what does Facebook do? They remove them. Uh-oh, this, this information. Is it misinformation? If it's factual and true, it can be proven. According to their own database at Boston Children's Hospital. So this is a dangerous time, friends, when they're suppressing and removing and deleting truthful information. That is called propaganda, and it's communist policy. Americans are becoming more and more familiar with communist policy when it comes to suppressing deleting, censoring one side of the information or debate, removing that information, putting out your progressive talking points, a.k.a. propaganda, and that is communist policy. We're seeing that in our country, friends. Let's just face the facts. So this center had offered, quote, gender-affirming chest surgeries, mastectomies, for individuals over 15 and genital surgeries for those over 17 years old. Um, but major media organizations won't touch this. They won't report the truth, in other words. We've known that for several decades on any of these issues. Uh, Seattle Children's Hospital, by the way, their children transitioning as young as nine. Seattle, you, you would expect that, though, right? Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, New York, Chicago. But Boston, anyway, according to this research, again, thewashingtonstand.com, at least 13 hospitals, mostly children's hospitals in the U.S., 
perform gender transition transition surgeries on minors. We're not making this up. We may even be suppressed or censored on this podcast just for stating the truth. I'm getting you factual information because we, by the way, we're called Stand Up for the Truth. And we've been shadow banned on Facebook for about seven years. Um, so let me just move on here. Just mention the hospitals because we are running out of time. Um, these clinics or hospitals perform gender transition surgeries on minors based on their own websites. Number one, the UCLA Gender Health Programs Pediatric Practice. That's in Los Angeles, of course. The Gender Clinic at Stanford Medicine Children's Health. That's in Palo Alto, California. Number three, the Division of Plastic Surgery at Connecticut Children's Hospital in Hartford. Number four, the Essence Clinic at St. Luke's Children's Hospital. That's Boise, Idaho. Idaho, my goodness, don't tell me. All right, number five, the Gender Development Program at the Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. Number six, University of Illinois Hospital, also Chicago gender-affirming surgeries. Number seven, the Boston Children's Hospital, which we already reported on in depth. Number eight, the Child and Adolescent Transgender Center for Health at Boston Medical Center. Number nine, the Gender and Sexuality Service at NYU, New York University. That's in New York, of course, at uh, Langone's Hassenfeld Children's Hospital. Number 10, Gossilano Children's Hospital, also in New York. That's in Rochester. Number 11, Dornbecker Children's Hospital in Portland, Oregon, and also in Beaverton, Oregon. Number 12, the Gender Clinic at Seattle. And number 13, the Gender Clinic Health Clinic at Children's Wisconsin in Milwaukee. They focus, by the way, that's down the road from us. Um, They focus on children and youth and they will meet with new patients through age 16. They offer, this is just the one in Milwaukee, they offer, quote, puberty-suppressing hormone therapy, gender-affirming hormone therapy, surgical treatments, and speech-slash-voice training. Okay. Friends, take heart. This is the condition of our culture because of a warped worldview that is anti-Christ. It is against God. It is rebellion against God. I I wrote so much about this issue of transgenderism, and and now it's not a bandwagon anymore. It's a locomotive. I wrote about that in my 2017 book, Redefining Truth. And I, I wrote about how corporations like Target, they set the pace at that time, five years ago, by putting in trans-neutral, gender-neutral bathrooms in their store. Do you remember that, Target? Now they have a massive LGBTQ section of, of product and gear with the rainbow flags and all, all things transgender. Well, Target and others are doing this, friends, and this is the direction of our culture. Remember to stay grounded in the Word of God, in the truth. But we need to know how to respond to this. The, the other side gets very upset when we talk about the truth. Um, my favorite question to ask them when they get upset with us is, would you consider yourself a tolerant person? <laughs> and if they say yes, then they've got to tolerate our view, right? But they don't. Okay, so tomorrow we've had a schedule change. Doreen Virtue has to reschedule. So we'll be doing a podcast on news and articles and um, other things in the community tomorrow. You will hear from Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Canada. He was arrested for keeping his church open. That's Wednesday. John Haller, Prophecy Update, Thursday. And Fernando Arroyo on Friday. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.